You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. Locked On Jets podcast, Tuesday, February 19th, 2019. We start off a new week, a short week. Hope everybody had a great long weekend. I hope you, first of all, I hope it was a long weekend. Uh, I know a lot of people did not have Monday off. If you are one of those people, I hope you had a nice Monday. We are back kicking off this week on a Tuesday as Jets continue to head towards the offseason, an important offseason for this franchise as their quarterback heads into his second season, the new franchise quarterback, Sam Darnold. And we're looking into free agency, which will begin in a few weeks, but we also have an eye towards the NFL draft. The Jets, of course, hold the number three overall selection right now. That's if they don't make a deal to trade probably down. I, I would be surprised to see them trade up this year. I think trading down is certainly a possibility. And as we head toward the draft, on today's show, what I want to talk about are just things that I hear a lot of fans say, a lot of theoretical stuff that they say a lot of, a lot of strategic stuff they say and I, these are common things that I hear that I really disagree with these are these are pretty common draft strategies that people say during this time of year and I'm going to tell you why why I disagree with some of these things um, so let's jump right in and the first thing that I really disagree with is the idea that the Jets have to absolutely draft a player at X position you you, you have to draft a player at this position now you may be saying hey John Aren't you the guy that keeps saying the Jets should be drafting an offensive lineman or an edge rusher? And yes, that's true. But what I want to say is that I'm impl- with, when I say that, I'm implying if all things are equal. I'm implying if talent is equal across the board or if talent is close to equal across the board. So what do I mean by that? I feel like when people say the Jets need to draft a player at this position in the first round, no matter what, no matter what happens, the problem with that is that you're viewing – these play, you're viewing all players as interchangeable. You're viewing all players as equal. You're viewing so essentially, let's just throw one out there. A lot of people have an issue because Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft had the Jets taking Quinnen Williams, who projects as a defensive tackle, you know, an interior type defensive lineman. And people say Jets can't draft a defensive tackle there. They need to draft an offensive lineman. Well, that's true. You know, if you have offensive lineman A versus defensive tackle A you probably lean towards the defensive tackle, but you have to consider the talent level on these players. I, I think that that's really important, especially when you're talking in the NFL draft where in any given draft class, there's not going to be equal talent across all positions. Some years, this position will have more talent in it. Other years, this position will have more talent in it. You know, People will throw out a blanket statement, the Jets cannot draft a player at this position. So when it comes to Quinn and Williams, people are upset with the idea, Jets cannot draft a defensive tackle. with this pick and I think that you know in general if all players across the draft were equal that would be true but I don't think you I think you cannot take that statement like that too far you have to leave yourself some flexibility if the situation dictates that that's the smart move so let's let me throw this out there and again I think when people see Quinn and Williams they see the position they see defensive tackle and part of it's that they think back to the recent Jets history where you know since 2011 how many interior type defensive linemen whether it's a you know a five technique or a defensive tackle you know 300 pound kind of defensive linemen um how many guys have the Jets taken they took Wilkerson in 2011 Copel's 2012 Sheldon Richardson 2013 Leonard Williams 2015 well that doesn't really matter because Leonard Williams is the only guy left on the team you have to look at what the team 
has right now, not what the team drafted eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago. It doesn't matter. Those those picks are gone. No matter what, no matter what the Jets pick now, those picks are gone. But beyond that, so let's just so the theory is that the Jets cannot draft a defensive tackle. Well, what if Quinn and Williams, and I'm not saying he necessarily is, but let me throw this out there. If a defensive tackle prospect was going to be the next Aaron Donald, wouldn't you want him on the Jets? I think the answer is pretty clearly yes. So there's clearly a threshold where you would take a player at defensive tackle. I mean, I don't think anybody's passed. I think if, if I told you there's a player who's the next Aaron Donald, you're going to say draft him immediately. So player quality has to come into play here. And the other the other aspect of this is what if there's no good offensive lineman who's worth taking at the, with the third overall pick. And I think that that's kind of where I'm leaning. As, as much as I want to see the Jets address the offensive line, I'm not sure there's a player there who justifies the third overall pick. Let's say, hypothetically, back in 2015, people said offensive line or bust. Jets have to draft an offensive lineman. With the, the, back then, they had the sixth overall pick. Well, you know who the top-rated offensive lineman was where the Jets were picking? It was Eric Flowers, who's been a, just a bust. The Giants got rid of him this past year. He failed at left tackle. He failed at right tackle. He's been a total bust. So that just shows you, you know, you can't be too rigid with your positional designations. Now, let's say now, let's say players are close to equal. Let's say hypothetically, there's an offensive lineman available who's the next Tyron Smith, or there's a defensive lineman available who's defensive tackle available who's the next Fletcher Cox. Now, in that case, those guys are close. You know, you may take one guy or the other. I'm just throwing out names. You know, you can name any elite level player at tackle, any elite level player at any elite level player at offensive tackle, any elite level player at defensive tackle. Now, if those are my two choices, that's where I think the position comes into play. That's where you know, if if I have a if there's an elite offensive lineman available to me and an elite defensive lineman, then I'm probably and that's the point I'm trying to make is when I say the Jets should lean towards offensive linemen. That's what I mean, is that if all things are equal or if things are close to equal, I'm not even saying, you know, you may take a player who's slightly less at the offensive line position just because you're prioritizing it because you're trying to build around Sam. But it's really important when you get to the draft. And also, I think, in free agency to an extent, although free agency, there's a greater supply of players available. So you can maybe lean a little more towards needs and free agency. But I think in the draft, yes, needs matter. I, I think anybody who says needs don't matter at all in the draft is probably mistaken. But needs are not the only thing that matter. There also has to be a player who's good enough to justify your draft position. And th- I think this gets even crazier when you get into the second or third round because people will say, well, in the second round, the Jets need to, dra- need to draft the best corner available. And then in the third round, they need to draft the best edge rusher. Av- well, you don't even, you have no idea which guys are going to be available. What if there's an early run of players at those positions and the only and there are no good prospects left once you get to round two or three? You can't plan that far ahead. Uh, so I, I think that that's uh, that's an area where I see this frequently. And yes, needs matter absolutely. And yes, if you have two players who are roughly equal at a certain position, or who are left, roughly equal who play different positions, you'd probably prioritize the area of need more. But you can't just go in and blind. The biggest mistake, the best way to guarantee you will stink at drafting is to go in there and say, no matter what, I'm drafting a player at X position. Now. If the Jets are in a position where it's Quinn and Williams or it's a trade down and you can get multiple picks, that's a different story. Maybe maybe when you trade down, you're in a position where an offensive lineman is a better value and you've added additional picks. Different story there. I think that that's, that may be what you look to do rather than just draft a player 
at, on the offensive line no matter what. I think you know, if you're going to draft a player on the offense, you got to trade down because then it's not just offensive lineman versus defensive tackle. Then it's defensive tackle versus offensive lineman plus you know whatever second round pick you've added in, in a trade. So I think then that that's what I that's where I think you have to look. You can't just say I don't think I think you're mistaken if you and not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I I think you're wrong. Uh, and here's why I think you're wrong. You can't just say the Jets, no matter what, have to draft an X player at X position in X round. You can say, I'd like to see the Jets, if it's possible, draft a player at that position. If the value meet, meets up with the player that they need, then that's a different story. But I don't think you can just rigidly say, no matter what, we're drafting this player. Locked on Jets podcast on a Tuesday. I'm giving you some draft philosophies that I really disagree with. And I'm going to move on to the concept of positional value. And it's not that I think positional value is irrelevant, but I think it's something that people just take entirely too far. I think positional value is great to use if you have a tie, if you have two players, again, who are roughly equally graded. If you have, say, a quarterback and a running back who are equally graded, and your team's in need of both, you take the quarterback. The quarterback's the most valuable position on the team. Quarterback versus anybody, you take the quarterback. If you have a pass rusher versus an inside linebacker, well, in today's NFL, and this may not have been true in the past where the linebacker position was valued higher than it is today, but in today's NFL, if you have two guys who are roughly equal, you take the pass rusher. And I could even say, I would even say that the pass rusher is such an important position that you may take a good pass rusher over a guy who's a great linebacker. So positional value matters there. But it's not, I think people just take it too far. And let me give you an example. I mean, you see all this criticism of Mike McCagnan for drafting Jamal Adams and say, oh, yeah, he's a, he may be a great safety, but he's just a safety. Well, look, this GM's given you a lot to criticize. And I've given you, I've told you chapter and verse the mistakes this GM has made if you listen to this show. you can I could refer you to past episodes if you, you're not sure. Listen, this GM has given you a lot of material to criticize him on, but it gets to a point where it's a little ridiculous, I think, in my opinion. This is my view, but in my view, the guy isn't. You know, you, you, drafting an all-pro safety is not necessarily something that's a negative for a gentleman. Drafting an all-pro anything. I, I get the idea of positional value, and I get the idea that it's rare you see a safety go as high as six, but at the end of the day... You got to you got you got a blue chip player on a team that needs a lot of blue chip players. So you know of all the stuff you're going to get on Mike McCagnan for, I just don't see why adding a great player like Jamal Adams would be something he received criticism for doing. I, I I think that that I think that's one of his best moves because you know I'll go back to something I said in the last segment. He could have drafted a useless player like an Eric Flowers. Then we'd have something to complain about. But this is an instance where you know I think if you had a, if you had a great player, you had a great player. Now. A guy like Darren Lee might be a different story where it's a position that's not valued and the player has not been a great the player has been, you know, somewhere between bad and okay. That's a little different because then you've drafted the player at a non-premium position that's relatively easy to fill with a first round pick and he, and he hasn't been a difference, but that's a little different. So I think you know, there's a certain threshold. Again, to justify an early pick, players at certain positions like safety need to be great. Whereas a player like a, a pass rusher probably just needs to be good because of the inherent value at his position. And yes, I think there are instances where, again, if it's a tie, if it's tie, if it's close or something like that, then yeah, you, you'd use it as a tiebreaker. But I don't think it's the end all. You know, I don't think you can set hard and fast rules. I'd never, I'll never draft a player at X position 
you know, unless we're talking like kicker, unless we're getting ridiculous, we're talking like a kicker or a punter, then yeah, obviously you never draft a player like that early. But, you know, guys who play the field, um, you know, safeties, you know, the, the less valued position, safety, linebacker, running. If you get a great player early on, I, I don't think you can really complain about it. And I think, I think people overdo the idea of positional value. Now let me give you another thing that I just I don't I think that this is totally mistaken. This one I think is just it, it's not even a case where people overstate. I think people are just totally wrong when when they use this as a tool at all. And this is the draft value trade chart because those things are not scientific at all. There's no evidence that you know number the number one pick is worth however many points. The number thirty one pick is worth. Those numbers really just made it random. There's no science. There's there's no study that went into it. There's no there's no way to quantify that to say that those are accurate. So I don't. I think that that's a little ridiculous. Where people say, "Oh well, they didn't get enough value in this trade on the chart." Who's to say that chart is right? That chart is just full of random numbers. I I just that's that just boggles my mind when when people say that. Now listen, there's a way to there's a way you can value trades. Let's say for example the Jets. And I'm not saying they will, but say the Jets were were to, were to make a deal with the Giants this year, and the Giants wanted to get a, go up and get a quarterback. Okay, so the Giants would be moving to, from six to three. We've pretty well established what the price should be for a move from six to three for a quarterback. We established that last year because the Jets traded that. So if the Jets say traded down from three to six and got less than three second round picks in return for that, then yeah, you could say, wow, the Jets did not do a great job with value. But just because you're pulling out random numbers on a chart, first of all, I think these these teams probably all have their own charts, and they're probably a lot more scientific than the ones that are readily available online. You know, they've probably done more. These teams, many of these teams, have probably done more research to find out the true value of these picks. They're not just throwing out random numbers uh, like that. But here's the other thing, and let me just throw this out there. Let's say hypothetically, you're on the clock, and you have two players who are roughly equal. You, you, have, you have these guys there, and let's not even say, well, let's say there are two players who are identical in value on your board, and there's a team behind you that wants to trade up one spot, and they, they say, we'll give you a seventh round pick. I don't care what the chart says. You win. That's a good trade because you trade down one spot, two players roughly equal, one of them is going to be available for you with that next pick that you traded down to, and you've added a bonus seventh round pick. So how exactly did you lose in that trade? I don't think you did. So I, I think that... These, but you know the the chart may say you lost. I mean, depending on where you're where you move down in the draft. But if you, if that's what you did, you probably won. And I'm not talking first round. I'm not talking you know giving up moving down one spot in the first round. I'm talking you know later on in the draft, maybe you know day three or so. If you do that, you've won because you've got you still got the player you wanted, and you added an extra pick. So who cares what some number on a chart says? It's a it's a good deal. So. I'll tell you this one, and some of the, some of these are relatives, relatively speaking, like positional value, or you know, focusing on a certain position over another. This one is just throw the, throw the chart in the trash. Don't evaluate these trades using the chart. It's not worthwhile. It's not. It's just not a worthwhile endeavor. So just just ignore the chart next time you see a trade made, and ignore. And I disagree with your analysis if that's what you use to just to judge the quality of a trade. Locked on Jets podcast, talking NFL draft, in particular draft sayings that I disagree with, things that I frequently hear people say, strategizing about the NFL draft that I think is mistaken. And we're going to close our show by talking about the close of an NFL draft. We're going to talk a couple things that I always hear about day three of the NFL draft, which I disagree with uh, quite a bit. 
Now, the first one is when people people go crazy when the team trades down on day three of the NFL draft. That's something I've noticed the last couple of years because the Jets have made frequent trades down on day three. And I remember 2017, Jets made a ton of trade downs. They, they traded down a ton on day three that year. And the first time they did, I heard people just outraged because they said, the Jets have now moved out of the position of, the Jets have traded a pick and they moved down. Now they're not in the position to get any of the good players remaining. And then the second time they traded down, people said the exact same thing. They said, now the Jets are no longer in a position to get any of the good players remaining. And then the third time they traded down, same thing. Jets are no longer in a position to get any of the good players remaining. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought that was already the case two trades ago. So what difference does it make now if they keep trading down? But here's the thing about once you get to day three in particular, you're dealing with flawed prospects. That's why these guys are are going day three of the draft. If these guys were better prospects, if these guys were higher-rated prospects, they'd be going day day one, day two. The guys you're getting on day three are wild cards. They're guys whose game needs to be developed. And the more development your game needs, the less predictable your career is. And again, that's the guys who go higher in the draft, with a few exceptions. There, there are exceptions. There are guys who are just who just have such high ceiling that even though it's unclear how well they'll develop, even though there's a high bust factor, they'll go early. But for most of these, most of those players fall to the late rounds of the draft because it's really, their careers are unpredictable. There's something in their game that needs development. There's some major question mark about them. You know, maybe it's a physical limitation. Is this going to prevent them from being a good player, even though other aspects of their game are good? So why would you not, with this many question marks available, and the draft, even when you get to the first round, there's a lot of uncertainty, but once you get to day three and beyond, once you get, well, there's no, I guess there's undrafted free agency is beyond, but once you get to day three of the draft, with so much uncertainty in these players, wouldn't you want to do, wouldn't you want to add as many picks as you could, give yourself as many chances, because when you're dealing with unpredictability, when you're dealing with lottery tickets, the more lottery tickets you buy, the better your odds are of winning. You know, the more chance, you know, if I bring in one player who's flawed, odds are I'm not going to get, odds are he's not going to pan out. But if I bring in five players who are flawed, I've got a much better shot of finding, and, the, and really once you get to day three, you're looking for one good player. So if, I, if I'm looking for one good player, I can only give myself one shot, odds are against me. If I bring in five players, I at least got a shot. I mean, the, the hit rate is very low once you get to the late rounds, but you at least give yourself more opportunity. So trade down, yeah, keep adding picks. I think it's more, I mean, there's not, not really a lot of quality once you get to the late rounds of the draft, so you just want to add quantity. I'd trade down as often as I could. You know the trades I love are the, the, the trades that are really the forward-thinking one are when you get a future draft pick in exchange, which is higher than the one you traded. So, like, you know, a fourth round, I trade a fourth round pick this year for a three next year or a five this year for a four next year. Like that, because then you, I mean, it's just common sense. You have a better shot in a higher round. You know, people always, people always criticize those trades because they're saying, well, that team got the got their guy. It's like, what are you talking about? I, I, that makes no sense. Yeah, of course they got their guy, it, but they got their guy is like is like the ultimate cliche of the draft. It's become like the ultimate cliche of the draft. You go, you made a trade to get your guy. That's like the defense wins championships of the draft. Just an empty cliche. Well, guess what? If I trade a four this year for a three this year, yeah, the other t- the team I traded the four to, they got their guy. Well, next year I'm going to get my guy, and odds are my guy's going to be better than their guy because I because I picked my guy in the third round and they picked their guy in the fourth round. 
So I, I, I think that it's mistaken to think that they're, you give yourself a better shot by holding your picks or trading up on day three of the draft. Odds are you're better off trading down because there's so much uncertainty there. And yeah, I get it. You, your board may have this as the best player by available by far. Well, guess what? If you're in round five, the best player available by, by far, odds are against him ever becoming a quality NFL player. And then finally, just the whole idea that you can fill needs on day three of the draft. Look, day one, you, to an extent, you can fill needs. Day two, to an extent, you can fill needs. Again, day three, these players are deeply flawed. These players have a lot of uncertainty to their game. Most of them need developing. If they didn't need developing, they'd go higher in the draft. You can't sit there and say, I have a need at corner, so I'm going to draft this guy in the sixth round. I'm in great position to draft a guy in the sixth round. The guy you draft in the sixth round is not going to have an impact for your team this year. You're very lucky if he does. You can't count on it, though. The odds are just so low once you get past, once, really once you get past round two. You're not going to be able to fill immediate needs. You're drafting for the future. You're drafting developmental players who you hope will be able to help your team going forward. So positional value doesn't mean as much once you get round four, round five, round six, round seven, because you're just looking for good. You're not going to, you're not getting guys who are going to help you this year. Anyway, you're looking for players who are going to help you in the long run. And the number of players drafted in those rounds who help their team in the long run is pretty low. So if you can find a player at any position, even if it's not in a position of need today, you're you're doing really well to find one of those players because by that time by the time that player develops by the time that player develops it may be a position of need for you so you, that's what you have to do you know you, you can't just focus you can't you, by the time you get to day three especially the deeper into day three you go the more you just have to throw out the idea that position matters because you're just looking for players you're looking for any player who can produce so, you know, that's something to keep in mind day three. And, you know, and that's, you know, the other thing is not so much for the Jets anymore. I can't tell you how many years in recent Jets history where I heard somebody say, well, taking a quarterback in the first round is risky. Why would you do that when you could take a quarterback in the fifth round? Well, because the quarterback in the first round is a better prospect because the quarterback in the first round has a much higher odds of producing for you. Whereas the, the quarterback you draft in the fifth round, the odds are virtually zero. That guy's going to turn into a franchise quarterback for you. So that's how you have to, you have to, that's how you have to approach day three. You can't be certain that there's, there are going to be great players available because they probably aren't. And even if there are, it's probably going to be years before they, before you reap the benefits of that pick. That's all for today's show. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, and leave the show a good review on iTunes if you do enjoy it. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be, we will be back again tomorrow. Talk more Jets.